I'd like to set something for you tonight that I think is more than even apropos for the occasion. There are many places in God's Word that I could turn to teach tonight and share my heart with you in what I believe is the will of God. But I don't know anything any better for this particular occasion than the record that begins in the third chapter of Colossians. Because here in Colossians, you're back to the great doctrinal truth, the teaching truth of the great epistle of Ephesians. And as you know, Ephesians was the greatest revelation that was ever given to the church. Philippians correct the, corrects the practical error that crept into the church due to the failure of adhering to the revelation given in the book of Ephesians. And Colossians corrects the doctrinal error. It reestablishes the right teaching of the revelation which had been practiced wrongly on the takeoff of the revelation given in Ephesians. And so many times when you're reading Colossians, it is so much like Ephesians because it puts it, people back on the ball. And you can't ever be really walking for God when you're out of alignment and harmony with the right teaching. And in the 23rd verse of the third chapter where I'd like to begin, it says, And whatsoever ye do, do it what? Heartily. Whatsoever you do, it's right there if you can read it, plain as the nose on my face. Whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do, do it how? Heartily. That's right. There's the greatness of the success of the walk. Whatsoever you're going to do, do it what? Right. Put your heart, soul, mind, strength into it. Just don't do it to get away with it. Just don't do it because you have to. You're never going to enjoy it. Do it because you want to do it heartily. Heartily with everything you've got. When you run, run with all you've got. When you sit, sit with all you've got. When you study, put your mind down with all you've got. Screw it down, as I call it. Get your head into it with all you've got, heartily. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily. As to whom? Right. And not unto what? Right. In the core, you don't work to stand approved before VP Werewill. You don't do it heartily under VP Werewill. That's right. Anything we do in the core has to be done as unto whom? That's right. 
Do it heartily as to who? Because he's the one that keeps the score. He runs the show. So we do it heartily to the Lord. If somebody asks you to scrub the sidewalk with a toothbrush, you do it heartily as unto what? That's why I need that oil up. Heartily as unto whom? Boy, you see, to me, this place is holy ground. This place you're sitting is holy ground. Because you are God's people. And you are here to study to show yourself approved under God as workmen who need not to be ashamed of anybody, anywhere. I don't care wherever you go after the Corps has finished, there won't be anybody in this world who can hold a candle to your knowledge of God and his word. I don't care what theological seminaries or cemeteries they graduated from. That's right. I don't care if they have a PhD from every academic institution in the world. They still won't be able to touch you on God and his word when you finish the core. If they can, you miss the core. You didn't do it heartily as unto what? That's right. That's why we're in the core. And this place, as far as I'm concerned, is holy ground. These 45 acres that are here belong to the Lord as far as I'm concerned. We're custodians of it for the great God who created the heavens and the earth. We keep it that way. When a piece of paper floats around, we pick it up. That's why we don't deliberately go out and set our cars that leak gas and oil on the front steps of Balmer Hall or someplace or in the living room, because this place is dedicated, committed to God and his word and the greatness of that word. And that's how you walk if you're in the core. We do it heartily, heartily as unto whom? Not unto whom? Right. If I'd have waited for men to corroborate this ministry and substantiate it and pat me on the back for teaching it, hell, I'd have froze in ice cubes or died in hell before it came to pass or something. Right. You don't wait on men. You don't do things so that men can pat you on the back. It's wonderful when they do and they love you and really do it that they're not a bunch of fakers. But even if they don't, it's still God's word if you handle it rightly and you stand on it. And we're in the core. The core is designed to help you to tap those resources that will make you the greatest woman of God, the most wonderful man of God it's possible to be. And you'll get out of it exactly what you put into it, heartily. If you only got that much heart, that's all you're going to get. If you got that much heart, that's what you're going to do. So I'd be believing for a big heart. So that I could do it what? Heartily. When you think you can't do it anymore, then do it. That's the difference between a winning ball club 
and the one that's the NCAA champion. When you're right at that point that you just cannot stand anymore, then do some more. That's the difference. And that more is always there because the word says, God is our strength. Oh, there are a lot of verses like that. So just when you run out, remember he's got a little extra supply. And you tap into those resources. That's what makes you more than a conqueror. That's what gives us more than that abundant life. Not just an abundant, but that more than abundant life. We got to do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto who? Right. Now we like for this community to like us. But if they don't, it's still God's word. That's right. That's right. I didn't see the mayor coming over here today and welcome us sixth corps to the Wake College of Emporia. I didn't see the clergymen of the community standing in the street waving in. Did you? You know what? They're not interested in one damn thing about you and you know it. If they're interested in anything, would be because of groceries we buy and the money we pay them. Right. But God's interested in you. I want to tell you he's had his hand on you from before the foundation of the world. And that's a long time ago. And he's sort of taken care of you in a few tight spots since you've been born. To bring you to this night in your life. Class, the least you can do is to give your all. Just layer on the line. Just simply say tonight, this is it. No matter what happens in the core, I stay put. I move it. I do everything heartily. I don't care what anybody says or does. That's me. Well, it's sort of nice. <laughs> what do you do it for? Knowing that of the Lord, verse 24, you shall absolutely, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, you shall absolutely receive the reward of the inheritance. Uh, Lord. That fantastic. You see, if you do something heartily as unto the Lord, you get the blessing right then and there. You get that blessing immediately. But that's not all. You shall, future tense, receive the reward of that inheritance which God in Christ has in you and you in him. So you get blessed now, and man, you got it coming throughout all eternity. Salvation is by grace. The rewards are of merit. We do it heartily as unto whom? That's it. And you never look at the task. the toothbrush, and the walks. You never look at the task. You look at the goal. If you look at the task, you'll be frustrated and defeated time and time again. 
But if you look at the goal, then the tasks become joyful because you know they're simply stepping stones toward the ultimate that you want to accomplish. So anything you do in life, not only in the core, but this will be applicable all the rest of the days of your life. Anything you do Do it with a goal in mind. We set goals in the core. You'll be setting them daily. You'll be setting them weekly. You'll be setting them monthly. We set goals for attainment. Something we want to shoot at. Who broke the three-minute mile? Nobody could break that thing. Everybody knew that nobody could run it faster. Till one fella came along, whoever it was, he believed he could run it faster and he did what? Ran it faster. Then others got their believing up and they started running it faster. See the goal, see the different, the goals that you set. If you set the goal that you couldn't run it faster than a three minute mile, then you would never run it faster than what? Even if you had the ability, you wouldn't do it. You limit yourself by the goals you set or you push yourself to a higher realm by the goals you set. You never rise beyond the goals you set. Most people get hung up on the tasks and therefore their tasks are their goals and they're usually frustrating and defeating. What's that thing to every man there openeth a way and ways and a way or something? And the high soul climbs the highway and the low soul climbs the low and in between on the misty flats the rest drift to and fro. But to every man there openeth a highway and a low and every man decideth which way his soul shall go. That's sort of neat, you know. I think this is the greatest moment in history for us right now to be able to be together and study the word and be a part of the most dynamic move of the love of God and the great power of his Holy Spirit in the whole world today. And we have that goal set of the word over the what? Sure, it's too big for us. But it's not too big from, for God who is in us. That makes the difference. If it was just us sitting here, it's too big. But if it's the God in Christ in us, whom we believe and whom we worship and whom we love and whom we serve, then all things are possible to him that does one thing. What? Right, not peel potatoes. Boy, that's it. The goals, the goals. So set your goals high. If you don't shoot high, you'll just be a scattergun all over the place and get nothing. So get your vision up. Expect great things. Believe for great things. Expect to tie this core together 
in one month that I talked about last night. Can be done. With God, nothing's impossible. So we are the only ones who could be limiting it. Knowing that of the Lord you receive the reward. For you serve the Lord who? That's who you're serving. Boy, and that's beautiful. Then verse 25 is sort of significant. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. Because if he doesn't set his goal up there and do that as heartily as to the Lord, if you don't do it heartily as to the Lord, then it's wrong. And you receive for the wrong you've done. Because you haven't done it heartily as unto the Lord. And there is no respect of what? With who? Right. God will do the same for every believer. When that believer believes the same as any other believer. He's no respecter of persons. God will not do more for you than he will for me. He will not do more for me than he will for you. God does his best for us at all moments according to our believing. And no person ever rises beyond what he or she believes. No person can believe more than what they're taught. No person can teach more than what he knows either. And so, there is no respect of persons with God. Now he gets to that great fourth chapter, which I never would have chaptered if I'd have done it, because I'd have gone right on. Because... In verse 22, it talks about servants. And then here in chapter 4, verse 1, it talks about masters. Give unto your servants that which is just and what? Knowing that ye also have a master in what? Heaven. Had this principle been applied by the men who own the businesses, we never would have had a union. Right. Had they just applied those few little words from Colossians 4.1 where the masters would give unto the servants those that were serving them in their business to make the products that could be sold that which is just and equal there never would have been the need for a union. The unions came about because the masters were not sharing the profits sufficiently with the laborer. The reason I have such a tremendous something or other against the American Banana Company, and I refuse bananas, I guess, an American banana brings over something. I don't because I don't know the name on it was because they were getting such a high price and in Honduras, Central America, they are paying their people 75 cents a day 
all day long for the labor to produce it. That's why we're so beautifully hated in a lot of these countries. It's real neat. They don't obey biblical principles. And yet the, the, the American Tobacco Company supports all the mission work of Honduras, Central America, and builds many of the schools and the churches for the foreign missions that are in Honduras, uh, in, in Central America. The Word of God says, Masters give to the servants, those who serve, that which is what? Just right. You're in the core to be masters. You're in the core to become teachers of the Word. Apt to teach men and women who can at the spur of the moment hold forth the greatness of God's word, rightly divided accurately with all boldness and with all power. That means that there are people that you will be serving or they'll be serving, listening to you like you're listening to me. And when you are in that situation, you are going to have to be just and equal with your people, the same as a businessman must be just and equal with those who serve him. It's the same in the spiritual plane as it is in the material or census world life plane. That's why in the core I have no favorites. I just love all of you today. To life maybe. More of it. But I have no favorites. And by that I mean that I'll treat Eddie better than I treat John. Or that I treat Randy better than Celeste. No, no, no. He's a child of God. She's a child of God. They're my brothers and my sisters. Therefore, I couldn't play him over against her or her over against her. That's the church, quote, and a quote, church. That's the, the world. And I've taught you that people are to be loved, things are to be what? And people are never things. You're never like pawns on a chessboard. And therefore the core has to mold itself together with that love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation. And there can be no respect of persons. There can be no favoritism shown. Right. The reason you do this is knowing that you also have a master where? That's God. Then he says, continue in prayer. Continue in it. Verse 2. And watch in the same or unto the same with thanksgiving and with all and by all means, you know, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of what? For which 
I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That's what we ought to be praying for one another for also. That God would open to us doors of what? Making it possible for us to speak the word, to share the word, to hold God's word forth so that we can speak one thing, the mystery, the mystery of Christ, the mystery. Because when you speak that, you're speaking the church of the body. You're speaking all that revelation which is given in his word, addressed to us and for us. To speak the mystery, the mystery, God in Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Gentiles of the same body, fellow heirs, same body, Neither Jew nor Gentile, but a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's the mystery. That I may make it manifest and that I ought to speak it as I ought to speak it. That's the core. We never bring the word of God down to our level. We let the word stand and we let the word speak for itself. And when we speak, we speak the word. That does not mean we tell them everything we know, but it's always the word. We never compromise the word. He says that I may speak the mystery of Christ, make it manifest, Speaking as I ought to what? That's right. That's why we walk in wisdom. You can't walk in wisdom until you first have knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge applied. So the first thing you have to have is that knowledge of God's word. And then you walk in wisdom with it. Sometimes you lay a lot of word on somebody and other times you just lay a little bit of word, but it's always what? The word, the word, the word. And that's wisdom. And you walk in wisdom toward them that are what? Without. The without does not mean those completely and necessarily outside of the pale. It may and does mean at times people who are not spiritually as far along as you are, who do not have the understanding and light that you have because they have not been exposed to the word and the accuracy of it like you have. That's why you have to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And if you will do that, that is what it means to redeem the time. Because if I walk with non-wisdom, 
I'm certainly wasting my time, not redeeming it. It's in the wise utilization of my time that I'm redeeming it. And anybody who will lie to you about time, you couldn't trust him with anything. Right. You just watch it. If anybody lies about time, for Lord's sake, put your hand on your wallet and never take it off. Because if they won't be honest with you on time, they will be dishonest in every other field of life. Because the only thing you've got is time. And time is value. That's all you got. The moment now is already what? Can't recapture it. So let's say a man says to me, I'll meet you at 7.15, and he doesn't show up till 7.30. He has taken 15 minutes of my time, and he's lied to me because he told me he'd meet me at what time? You see why I'm such a stickler on time? Now, sometimes there is a valid reason. Usually, they're just rationalizations. Sure, if you fell down, broke your neck and both legs, I could understand why you couldn't be there on time. But had you believed God, you wouldn't have fallen down, broken your neck and both legs, and have been on time. Because that's the one thing you've got to get honest on is time. That's all we got, time. And it's running out. <laughs> and we have to make the maximum out of it. And that's why we just discipline ourselves. We are not observers of times, but we observe time. Which means when we set a meeting for a and we do it so that we know everybody can be there. Then we expect them there. I have checked this thing out a thousand times or more. And when a man won't be honest or a woman won't be honest with you in time, you might as well forget God's word because they won't be honest with God's word either. They'll knife you, they'll do every other thing. You look, you watch it. Don't believe what I'm saying. Go practice it. Find out about people on time and see how much of the word they really know. Time. That's redeeming the time with wisdom. Well, verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with what? Grace. Now that's sort of neat. You know why our speech, our talking, our witnessing, our wisdom, our sharing as we ought to speak, why that has to be with grace? Because that's exactly why you and I are here. Grace. We're not here because we're so qualified. Because some of you barely made it through high school. 
So I'm sure that we're not here because the vast majority of us are so qualified academically that we could be a part of such a fantastic learning experience as we're going to have together. But we're here because God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. His only begotten son so gave that you and I might be born again of his spirit. Now since we are his, we have to so give that others may live because he has given to us the ministry and the word of what? Reconciliation. That's why your speech has to always be with grace. Grace is divine favor, perpendicular, God's demand. Because God so loved you, therefore you so love. If you've got any corns on your spiritual feet, you ought to get rid of them. You just can't afford to have any corns. Because you and I have to allow people to walk on our feet until they learn to walk on their own. You and I have to become broken bread for people until they learn to break the road. You and I have to be so tender that others learn to be tender because they get tenderized by our tenderness. That's the beauty of the walk of grace. Let your speech be always with what? Grace. Speech with grace. Speech with grace. God so loved. Therefore, my speech can be that I so what? Love. And I don't have to run around all over raising hell with you. You know why? God didn't raise hell with me. He saved me by grace, right? Well, he saved you by grace too. Therefore, our speech has to be by what? Seasoned with what? That's right. That means we mean what we say and we what? And the biggest thing we say is the word. That baby you can guarantee. That word you can guarantee. Every jot and every tittle, God will back up in that word. For this is God's least common denominator. God cannot do less than his word when we believe. And in order to believe, we have to rightly divide that word or we would believe wrongly. And to believe wrongly, it's impossible for God to fulfill that belief. can only be in right believing. That's why it's doctrine. Right believing. That's why to be seasoned with salt. That ye may know, not question, not doubt, not be hesitant, but that you may know how you ought to what? Answer every what? Answer who? Would that include a government official? 
Would it include a clergy? Would it? Farmer? Everyone? What it means, that's what it says. That's what it says, that's what it means. That's what you're in the core for. That your speech can be with grace but salted to the end that you've got the right answer. Boy, that's too big for my mind, but that's what I believe. And I just make my mind believe it because the Word says it. And the Word of God the will of God. It means what it says, says what it means. Then it's up to me to lift myself up to the Word, not bring the Word down. My speech, it says, is to be with grace, seasoned with salt, that I may know how to answer every one. What you're in the core for. That you get to that place in your life. That there's no man, woman, boy or girl. That you could not answer every question they ask. To their satisfaction from God's word. If they will to believe. That's what you're in the core. Where's principle number one? What's it say? And that spiritual perception and awareness is not something you get overnight. It's not something you're born with. It's something that you as a born-again believer have the potential to accomplish. But that's where the training, the knowledge of the word comes in. That's why you saturate yourself with the word. You eat, sleep, and drink the word. You just read it, read it, read it, read it. Till the word becomes a part of you because you're in the word. And the word's in you. You begin to develop a spiritual perception and awareness. The more you're in the Word and the more the Word is in you, rightly divided, the greater that spiritual awareness, that perception, spiritual sensitivity, it would be another synonym of it, where you're just spiritually vivacious, just spiritually alive to what's really happening. That's why the core is designed to help you to acquire that in-depth spiritual awareness, that sharpness, that keenness. And we'll do it by utilizing oodles of principles of which you may not be cognizant time and time again. But we know where we're going. We know what we're doing. And we know what God's able to do when people know it and when they believe it. That's why we're able to give an answer to every man. Not our answer, but God's answer, which is our answer, because we're speaking God's word. Remember, isn't it Thessalonians, I thank my God? When you heard the word which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of what? That's what we're after in the core. 
Now this spiritual sensitivity, this spiritual awareness. As I said, you don't learn it overnight, but if you don't start tonight, you never learn it any night. You always have to start building. And that's why we do things heartily as unto what? When we run, we run like crazy. And that's a great art to be able to do things heartily as unto the Lord. And when you finally reach that stride, then even when you're resting, you do it heartily as unto what? You rest better. That's why many of us get out of four hours of sleep what other people don't get out of eight or nine. It can only be because of that spiritual awareness when we go to sleep at night, we don't have to worry. You know, we don't, we don't go to, to bed with all the negatives and all the junk. We just go to bed with thanksgiving and love and tenderness on our heart. We go to sleep and the next moment, the alarm clock's walking by our earbuds. And we feel rested. We feel rested. Sort of neat. The fantastic walk. It's not the walk the world's used to, and you know it. You're not here in the core because the world is used to what we're doing here. That's right. But you're here to give yourself an opportunity to find out does it really work? And most of you know it works because you've been on the field trying certain principles, and you found out it did it. And you just wanted to get in the core because you wanted to learn more, because you wanted to help people more. And my heart goes out to you for that. That's all I ever wanted to do. I wanted to help people. You know, I started in medicine, shifted to law, and ended up in ministry. And all I ever wanted to do in medicine was just to help people. In law, all I wanted to do is help people. In the ministry, all I wanted to do is help people. And it was a tremendous hurt in my heart when I realized that I could not help people. When people really needed help, I didn't have it. That was real emaciating to my soul, real burden to my heart. And it surely must be for you too, have been in the past. But to have that ability where you can help people like we've been doing, what a joy, what a blessing. And that's all we're doing. We're not changing people's theologies. We don't give a hoot what their theology is. We don't care. We just want to help them with God's word if they want it. And if they don't, we'll love them and route. We have only one concern is to help people. And the only thing I've ever seen that really helps people is the word. Giving them money doesn't help them any. Who was it? The fellow that said, teach them how to fish and he'll always have food. If we teach people the greatness of God's word, that's the greatest thing we can do. 
And that's why you're in the core. And that's why everything we do in the core, even though you may not realize it yet, but everything we do is geared for one thing. To get this word in you. If we have to awaken you at 3.30 in the morning and drive you on top of the steeple of this place to get the word in you, that's what we're going to do. And when you start griping, then we're going to push you harder to get the word in you. That's why we're to be our speeches with grace, it's seasoned. That's why we're able to give an answer to every man. Boy, what a tremendous thing. Can you imagine that? That you, sir, can get the right answer to every man? You, the right answer to every man? No wonder the world thinks the Bible's nuts and the people who believe it are nuttier. Because nobody could have the right answer. Is that right? I think we can. Either that or God's word is a what? Lie. And I don't believe God's word lies. And that's why we're in the core. To drive ourselves to be able to get those rightly divided words so we can give the right answer to every man with our speech with grace but it's salted. Salted. Right on the word. That's the greatness of it. Well, Father, I thank you for opening the core here tonight. Thank you for the greatness of your word that lives. Thank you for blessing our people so abundantly this day and this night. And for the outreach of your word around the world. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.